Oh, yeah. Reggie Ponder in the house. Every week, Reggie Ponder joins us as our senior film correspondent, letting us know who the winners and losers were at last week's box office and what we can set our sights upon at the cinema this weekend. Let's get into, uh, you know, some movies. Uh, some movies. The, the money part of the movie business. Uh, let's head on over to the box office and see if the number one movie has grabbed the golden ring. Well... The number one movie last week, and we figured that it would be the number one movie this week. But actually, it had some real competition really to, to be number one. But it, it did make number one again, so it has bragging rights. Uh, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic! And it did another $26 million, and it is now at $106 million domestically. And when you look at its uh, international numbers, it's another 106. So this movie is about $220 million at the box office. A nice, nice little That's haul. not bad. Hello. Uh, and this is letting Jim Carrey know that people missed seeing him in these kind of madcap rubber face roles. I, 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 they love me. They, they, they. You guys. They, they really, oh they really, really like me. <laughs> uh, and, and, and when you think about this, this movie, it only costs $85 million to make. And when I say only, because usually I, I see these movies costing over $100 million. And, and we, we get some of these films that are like a, almost $200 million. So this is good. This is really good for, for this movie. The, the thing that's bad for this movie, mm. there will be another one. And it will cost $175 yeah, you're right. million. Dollars. You're right. Uh, for one thing, th well, maybe not because they don't have to retouch Sonic the Hedgehog's teeth. Maybe they just okay. they, they cut you know down what? on that budget. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I need to consult with my daughter Carrie about this animation stuff. So uh, <sighs> you're you're, ab you're absolutely right. So so you know a good showing for Sonic uh, the Hedgehog. And then uh, coming in at, at number two is The Call of the Wild. And I was really interested in how well this would do. Yeah, we I were think curious. It, I, I think it did well. At yeah. the box office, you you look at that. How much is that? I, my, oh, my eyes are are feeling. It was twenty four, almost twenty five million dollars domestically the first week, which is not bad. But speaking of movies that cost one hundred thirty five million dollars, Call of the Wild cost one hundred thirty five million dollars. Right, it, the, the, because they they actually it, because it was a blend. Yeah. This live action animation piece, and I do think that that's probably really hard to do. Because they want to give the dog these human expressions because it really was from the dog's point of view. Yeah. Like, well, hey, here's the thing. The dog is real. Harrison Ford is CGI. You, wow. <laughs> wow. That's why it was so expensive. Okay. Each one of those gray hairs, hand-painted. <laughs> wow. I think now that's a red table discussion right there. So, wow. I, I don't even believe you, Jill. I love Harrison Ford. He knows it. He's got all those fan letters did you, of mine. Did, did, you, did, you bring, did you bring it like that? Well, number three at the box office is yeah. Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And it did another set about $7 million. At the box office total, it's $72 million uh, domestically. Mm -hmm. That really, again, is not, that's not a good number. It's not the best. It has <coughs> made its money back, but it was a hard-fought uh, climb there that depended mostly on international uh, viewership. Yeah, and its international dollars are... Uh, 103 million and and really what i say about these movies is that you really do want to have that three times multiple mm -hmm. so so in my opinion uh, i don't know their you know 
advertising budget and all of that, but they probably haven't broken even yeah. uh, yet. And, um, and 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 I actually think that that's a shame because I like what they did with these characters. I like this this female empowerment story, and I am not saying that just so people can. Listen to my podcast. Yeah, you can follow <laughs> Reggie Ponder. No, I, I'm not just saying that. I I liked this. I thought I I, and I don't. It wasn't the best superhero movie I'm I've sure. ever seen. It wasn't the worst. It was good. It was solid, and I thought a solid launching launching point for a franchise. But maybe not. Maybe not. But I kind of want it to. In the same way that I was glad that Wonder Woman did its thing. It's the same feeling I got at the end of Avengers when all the women Avengers came into frame and started kicking some butt. Like, you know, I'm I'm a 40-year-old woman. I've had superhero movies in my life the entire time, <coughs> and 99% of them are just dude fests. I'm I'm here for this story told from a different perspective. Yeah, I I, I am too. And I and again, not just just for that purpose though. Is that if you're telling a story and you don't have anything that's compelling and that's a reason true. for me to watch and and for me to stay, I I felt that these four or five women were interesting enough for me to stay. Yeah, yeah. To to kind of hang in there. So um, hey. I guess we'll just have to continue being bad boys for life mm. because mm-hmm. that is getting another installment. Ladies and gentlemen, wait yeah. for bad boys for life, getting another installment coming to a theater near you. I want it to be uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but they're ghosts and it's bad boys for afterlife. Wow. I would watch that movie wow. right now. Wow. You, you're trying to get just... Bill Murray and... Uh, <laughs> Ernie Hudson, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> just the <laughs> one Ghostbuster. How much for one <laughs> Ghostbuster? <laughs> you, want them, you want them to kind of come in there and, and play mm-hmm. or, or do yeah, we just go and get Yeah, it's the crossover cast, America just deserves. Get Casper, you know? <laughs> but, but this one made another $6 million. It's at uh, almost $200 million uh, domestically. When you look at it internationally, it made another $200 million. So this movie is close to $400 million dollars uh, worldwide and it and and they didn't I don't think they told us what it cost but what I will say yeah I, I don't know what this one cost but Will Smith probably asked for 200 million so it probably didn't make it, it he didn't even have to ask <laughs> right right it probably <laughs> but you know what's really interesting when you look at when you look at a Will Smith his average in terms of uh, movie making and, and, and definitely in these last years, it's not actually that great in terms of bringing people to the box office. He is yeah. that he's still that brand name, yeah. but he's not that brand name that is killing it at the box office. And you're actually making me think to to maybe go and look at some of his numbers. But I'll let Theodore do that. <laughs> no, no. So. So anyway, so so that's that on that. I, and those. It, the 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 number five one is Brahms the Boy Two, mm-hmm. and I think that they're probably very happy with what they're doing with this film. I it it costs ten million dollars to make. They've worldwide have made about nine point one million dollars. It'll it probably will at least make twenty million dollars. I think they're happy. They, they they're looking at the time frame, which is. This is a slow time period, basically, when you look at January and February yeah. this year. Post-award season. There, yeah. There's nothing that, that really came out this, like, breakthrough. Just, oh, my goodness. Uh, but, you know, you look at something like um, last year. Yeah. We, we, we did have a few that 
people are like, oh, uh, Us is is one of those movies yeah. that came out really early in the year mm-hmm. and uh, and actually got forgotten. Yeah, you know, timing is everything. Ti- 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 timing is everything. Hey, do you? I have a friend who has who hasn't watched the movie uh, Parasite yet. Do you? <laughs> oh, that's we'll talk about that later. Now let's turn towards the future of cinema and talk about Burden. The uh, the new film by Andrew Heckler, and uh, it takes an orphan story and a Ku Klux Klan story and brings it to the screen. Reggie Ponder, talk to me about this film. Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting film because it's a true story about this uh, young guy named uh, Mike Burden, and he gets taken in by the uh, a leader, uh, one of the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan, and he falls into that culture. Yeah, and and falls into it deep, and uh, what's really interesting at, at the story is about so people will know because when I told Donna I was going to go see this film, she said, "Oh, I don't want to go see that." Mm. She said, "Good luck," but what it really because <laughs> it's it about <laughs> yeah. the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, it's heavy. and but but what it's about is about a guy trying to leave the Ku Klux Klan. What happens when he does that? What's the impact of? Uh, with his relationship with his ex-clan people, which is family, mm. and then what's the impact with the people who he's who he's harmed along the way, and who is willing to give him grace? Mm. And so there's a number of storyline stories that kind of con- uh, collide with this with this film. There's a story where he meets this young woman who's a, a single mother, and she's not down for all that. Her son, who's about six or seven best friend is uh, African-American. So she doesn't want this guy who's trying to court her uh, doing that Ku Klux Klan stuff. Yeah. So that's uh, their story and their journey is there. Then there's the story where Usher Raymond plays uh, Mike Burton's long lost friend when he when they were about six or seven. Mm. And so there's the story about them. Like, well, now there's these boundaries that yeah. they can't even get together. They it's can't a- talk. They can't... They, they, that you with them, oh, but you with them. So, so, so that story. Then there's the story of the pastor who is played by Academy Award winner, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Love him. And what does he do when he has a very tough life or 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 relationship uh, in the South with the Ku Klux Klan? And really, what happens in this film? because it's it's a, it's a story of forgiveness, is that he has to search his heart as to whether he helps this young man leave the Klan and, and endangers himself in the process, himself and his family in the process, or whether he just, you know, continues to protest against the Klan. The real interesting thing about this film is that um, they build a Ku Klux Klan museum and that's one of the things that starts this uproar in the community. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of problems here. And mm-hmm. I like this movie. I'm giving this one a two and a half. But I'm, I'm going to tell you why I think people should, should go see it. It really raises this question individually. Mm. What, what do we do when we come to these kind of crossroads? M- Michelle Obama says, you know, when they go high, we go, I mean, when they go low, we go high. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those situations where you, where you have to decide. We have this discussion in the African-American community all the time. 
Why do I have to be the one that forgives all the time? Why do I have to be the one that takes the high road? I can't tell you why. I can't tell you how. But this this movie really gives you insight into a, a person who struggles with their faith, who is a faith leader, who struggles with that and tries to figure out how does he uh, remain true to his faith, but also uh, uh, not ignore his heart. Mm. It's a it's it's an interesting battle, and I, I I think the acting in it is overall overall good. I do understand why people, when you talk about a Ku Klux Klan story, you might not want to um, to see that. But I will say that there's not that the type of Ku Klux Klan violence that you see on screen. They don't ignore the violence that the Ku Klux Klan does, but it's not that that. There's some violence there, but mm -hmm. it's not that over-the-top violence that, that uh, people might have an issue with. All right. Burden is in theaters now, and you heard it from uh, the real critic himself. It is two and a half reels and worth your time. Let's talk uh, some local film news or some local Black History Month news on the south side of the DuSable Museum of African American History in Washington Park. Uh, there is an immersive exhibition that explores the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. It brought 250,000 people to the National Mall in the name of civil rights. And Reggie, the real critic, Ponder, thinks that it's worth the trip to Washington Park to check this out. Oh, this is absolutely worth the worth the, the march. It is at the end. This is we are coming to the end of black history. And I want to make a couple of points. One is that it's very important to talk about uh, black history. And a lot of times people say, well, let's stop talking about the past history and talk about the current history that we're making. I'm all for that. I'm all for harrowing the people who are making history today and spotlighting them. But that old adage that you don't know where you're going if you, if you, if you don't know where you came from is, mm. is true. And we need to continue to do that. So um, my, my friend, Bonnie Berry, um, hooked me up with um, one of the uh, creators of this, which is uh, Alton Glass. And and what they did here, this is a virtual reality exhibit. You put on the the whole goggles thing, yeah. and you end up being in the in the mall. That sounds beautiful. Watching King, seeing the people, and I'm turning around and doing. I mean, it's a full wow. full experience, and they're they're still improving it improving it as it goes along. But this is one of those things where they decided to bring this to life. It's executive produced by uh, Viola Davis and her husband's um, uh, uh, production company. And at this event, I was there uh, just two days ago, were, were Bernice King, was Martin Luther King uh, yeah. uh, the, the third. This was a huge thing. And there were some young people it, the, the way in which it can bring that old history to life for people who say, oh, I don't want to read that, this is a phenomenal exhibit. And Viola Davis spoke for a moment about how she felt about getting involved with this project. Let's hear from her. And when I think about why we fight, why any of us fight, we fight for value. We fight to show the world that we too are humans and we deserve it all. And, you know, what people don't understand about being a celebrity, best kept secret, is that when you sort of hit that ceiling of success, and you think, that's it, I've hit it. This is what God promised me this, and I hit it, got it. 
And then there's nothing. There's an emptiness. There's a disillusionment. Because you forgot about the final step. And that's significance. That's why we're all here. Until you are living a life bigger than yourself, you're not living a life. Right. That's Viola Davis, Academy Award winner Viola Davis, speaking about the March, the Black History Month exhibit in the Black History Museum in Washington Park. DuSableMuseum.org is where you can find out more and uh, reserve some tickets. Reggie, the real critic ponder, says it is an amazing, interactive, and immersive experience. You have to go. Take your children to go and see this. And I'm hoping, this is what I'm hoping, because uh, museums like the DuSable Museum don't get the kind of funding or even the type of visitation outside mm. of mm. Black History Month. This, this exhibit will be there through November. But don't wait, because they, it, they have four of these uh, virtual reality... Um, I don't know, headsets. Yeah. And so you do need to schedule, you have to go online and actually schedule yeah. to to see this exhibit. I, I hope that uh, people are as excited as I was to see it. Uh, Time Magazine was involved, American Family Insurance, all of the people who were involved in this. I just say kudos to them for bringing the history to the forefront, bringing it afford and 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 still knowing that we still have to talk about those those folks who uh, made it where we could sit here you and I can sit here today and be you know just just discuss yeah you know and be free to free to be able to do that i i love that you wanted to come here and bring attention to this under patronized uh part of chicago's museum culture it's such a beautiful space it's so peaceful there. You learn so much. And like you said, they're open all year round. If you can't make it today or tomorrow, odds are you'll be able to beat a crowd and, and have more room to, to explore the entirety of the museum. Reggie, you are wonderful. What are you working on and where can people find you across the well, internet? I, I am working on, actually I will be interviewing um, the director, Andrew Heckler, next week about the movie Burden. So Excellent. I'll share that here next Please week. Please do. Uh, also, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be putting some stuff up for people who weren't able to, to hear all the stuff that Viola and her husband talked about. I'll be put, uh, posting some of that. And then you can also follow me <coughs> on my website, ReggiePonder.com. Reggie, we thank you for joining us, as you do every Friday, making sure that we leave the week off on the most wonderful note. Thank you so much.